Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. continuing on to the 14th chapter of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And we're going to spend the next few weeks working through the end of this letter. This is a, it's a grand letter and it kind of, I mean, it's, it is the longest of Paul's letters, why it's first in our New Testament, just past the Gospels and Acts. We have Romans. And Romans is this very deep and thorough message to the church in Rome that consists of both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians who have come together to be one church. The Jewish Christians have a a deep and long story of who they are as the Hebrew people, as Israelites, as the Jews. And that's the story from which Jesus emerges. That's the story which Paul has known his whole life. But this good news is also for the Gentile Christians. And so they have a different background that's disconnected from the Jewish background. And since they are understanding the new thing that God is doing, there is the tendency to think that the Jewish way, this previous way, this older way is somehow not valid. And we even hear that struggle today. Some people won't even really pay much attention to what we call the Old Testament. Uh, They're they're Hebrew scriptures. They are the story that that brings us forward to the story of Jesus Christ. But there is that tendency to think, well, the old is the old, and, and really we need to focus on the new. It's the same thing happening in the church. And so Paul writes this letter to walk through the whole story where it began to show how it was all leading to where the church was in Paul's day to help them understand that each group needs each other. The whole point was to bring them all, bring us all together. And of course, when you bring different groups of people in our diversity, in our beauty, in our distinctiveness, when we come together, that can bring some conflict, that can bring some struggle and some tension. And so that's what's happening. And Paul's been walking through the letter, kind of laying the backstory. But then in chapter 14, where we began last week, is where Paul really gets to the specific problems at hand. It's as if the whole purpose of the letter is just now being introduced in the closing chapters. Paul has set the stage and now he's delivering his message. And so as we continue into chapter 14, as we finish chapter 14 today, we are going to experience the call in the midst of our own struggle where we have various groups, various cultures, various understandings coming together, wanting to be the church, the people of God, the people following after Jesus Christ. And as beautiful as, as intended as this story is, it still brings tension and struggle and conflict. Some of that because we're still wrestling with our own backstory. We're still 
trying to make sense of how we have come to be here, and we haven't quite worked all that out yet. We're still working to accept this good news and this grace, and so sometimes we struggle to accept it for ourselves. We might struggle with, am I really forgiven? Am I really now part of the kingdom of God at work now? And if you have trouble accepting grace for yourself, it will be very hard to offer grace to other people. We have to first come to experience it for ourselves and truly accept it and acknowledge it before we can get to a place where we can let it pour forth from us. And so we're going to read the next section. Last week, if you remember, Paul talks about whether you eat food or don't eat food, uh, or whether you acknowledge certain sacred days or not, that there were some groups that took more liberties and some groups that didn't. They were much more strict in how they understood the practice of their faith. And so the people that took all these liberties lived into the freedom of Jesus Christ in this way that they'd worked out, and they were looking down on those who were still very uh, strict. And then the ones that were very strict didn't view these people as being very free. They viewed them as being very loose and cavalier, and so they judged them and even condemned them as if they were doing something wrong. And so if you remember last week, we talked about the idea of getting past this and, and learning that it's all about us coming together. And so what does that look like? How does that work? What is Paul trying to emphasize to this group and to us? And so we're going to read, we're going to continue in chapter 14 as we read verse 13 through verse 23. So stop judging each other. Instead, this is what you should decide. Never put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. I know and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is wrong to eat in itself. But if someone thinks something is wrong to eat, it becomes wrong for that person. If your brother or sister is upset by your food, you are no longer walking in love. Don't let your food destroy someone for whom Christ died. And don't let something you consider to be good be criticized as wrong. God's kingdom isn't about eating food and drinking, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ this way pleases God and gets human approval. So let's strive for the things that bring peace and the things that build each other up. Don't destroy what God has done because of food. All food is acceptable, but it's a bad thing if it trips someone else. It's a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that trips your brother or sister. Keep the belief that you have to yourself. It's between you and God. People are blessed who don't convict themselves by the things they approve. But those who have doubts are convicted if they go ahead and eat because they aren't acting on the basis of faith. Everything that isn't based on faith is sin. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Paul has made it clear that we shouldn't be looking down, we shouldn't be judging one another. 
but he also wants us to go a step further. There's this idea that you've probably heard in the midst of conversation or, or argument is, would you rather be right or would you rather be in relationship? So there's this choice that this question brings about. So you've been in an argument, you've been in a conversation with a family member, you've been sure that you're right, maybe the other person is sure that they are right, and you're kind of at an impasse. Neither person feels they are wrong. And so two things can happen, maybe more, but two basic things can happen. One, somebody will relent, someone will find the ability to say, I don't have to have my way honored as right. I want to maintain relationship. Or you can both decide you're going to be right and it's up to the other person to relent. And what often happens is there's distance that grows. There are people today, people today that have been friends that will not speak to each other based on disagreements. Maybe it's something like a political disagreement. Maybe it's on who to vote for or who not to vote for. It could be how someone feels about the particular interpretation of certain passages of scripture. It could be simply there was a fight that occurred, both people see the fight through a different lens and they're unwilling to say, I'm sorry. They're unwilling to see the other person's perspective, to realize how what they did was perceived as wrong. We see this a lot in the discussions on racism. Some people just simply don't want to give any ear to what someone else might have to say. They see it their way, and therefore everything that they say and, and do and decide and judge is all through their own lens, and they lend no opportunity, no space to consider there may be another perspective and that the person seeing from the other perspective might have points just as valid. But if you're unwilling to hear each other, then it just looks like they're not willing to relent. They're not willing to admit you're right. And so people dig trenches, they, they dig their heels in and it causes division. We see it all around us, yes? I mean, has there ever there's rarely been times when we've been so divided. It's happened. Oh, sure, 30 years ago, politically, we were just as divided. Uh, there was a civil war just 150 years ago. We've been to this place before. It's not necessarily new. But the question always remains, as it does in Paul's day, how does the church do this different? If we don't do it any differently, then what's the point of the church? If the church isn't offering good news in the midst of every situation that we face, if we cannot see the good news of Jesus Christ, then what exactly are we preaching? Are we standing for? And so Paul lifts up that, you know what? In the matter of food in his day, of whether they should eat meat or not eat meat, you know, Paul acknowledges, you know, it's acceptable to eat anything. It is. It is acceptable to eat anything. This good thing that's perfectly acceptable, that there is no guilt for, there is no shame for, it, it's fine. But if this good and acceptable and right way becomes a stumbling block, or someone else, then this good thing becomes an evil thing. You see, 
It's not just the thing itself that determines whether it's good or evil. It's what that thing is to the person who's encountering it. So if you find it acceptable, then it is simply meat. It is simply acceptable. It's fine. But for the person that does not see it simply as meat, it is not fine. And in fact, it is the source of corruption. And so if you, in seeing it fine, eat it in front of someone who sees it as corruption, then you are participating in corruption in their eyes, in which case you are damaging the relationship. And so you have a choice. Am I going to eat because I can and I know I'm right? Or am I going to care about the relationship more than being right? If I care about the relationship, I'm going to relent what I think, what I need, and I'm going to care for my sister or my brother. Now, it's as Paul said, there's the strong and the weak. It is the stronger faith that can step down from right and enter into relationship through relenting, through being humble, through giving up the need to be seen as correct and right. It takes a strong faith to do this. And it's easy to know that it takes a strong faith because there might be something that you are very convinced that you are right on. And if I were to suggest that you just stop talking about that right thing and you just give that up for the sake of the relationship with the people around you who don't think that you are right. They don't think you're right. And can you give it up? Can you make it not important? Can you say, you know what, I don't need to be right on that. I can come and be a part of this relationship and leave this, this conviction of mine, I can just leave it to the side. I can put the relationship first. And if you find it hard to do that, if you find that you're telling yourself, yeah, but I'm right. Yeah, but, but I can't do that because I, I shouldn't do that because I'm right. If you find yourself struggling, you understand how much strength it takes to do it. So Paul talks about that the kingdom of God is not about food and drink. It's not about particularities and being right. The kingdom of God instead is about righteousness, peace, and joy. It's about doing the right thing in God's eyes, the relationship. It's about peace with God and with each other, peace. And it's about joy that comes through that peace. And what was happening in Rome, these two groups were no longer welcoming each other into each other's homes. They were not eating together. They were not coming together for worship. They were not celebrating communion. They were not being the church. They were being two separate churches because an argument had caused them to split, to separate, to not be able to be the church together. They were more focused on being right than they were in relationship. And Paul says, that's not the way the kingdom works. That's the opposite of peace. It's the opposite of joy, and therefore is the opposite of right and righteousness in God's eyes. We must serve Christ in the way of peace and joy and righteousness, which means we actually serve Christ when we become loving to our neighbor. Loving is this agape love, 
as the Greek word agape. It's the love that Christ showed us when Christ went to the cross. Christ laid down his life. Christ gave of himself for us, expecting nothing in return. Therefore, we are to give up and give ourselves, lay down our lives for one another, not for the sake of receiving anything in return, but simply acting out of love because that's the way we're called to live. Because God loves our neighbor and we are to see the neighbor as God sees the neighbor and to love the neighbor, to act out of grace, to act out of the peace that we have with God, to seek peace with our neighbor and bring the joy in the relationship through this kind of love. And so he says that when we, when we do this, we do this, when we worship God, we worship Christ, when we serve Christ, when we come together, we not only please God, we please each other too, which shows that we are right. Now, then he goes on to say, let's strive for the things that bring peace and the things that build each other up. If we're in the midst of having discussions and trying to sort through things that are going to bring peace and help us build each other up, then that's great. Let's strive for that. But if it's something else, if it's trying to determine who's right and who's wrong, if it's not building up, if it's tearing apart, tearing down, then we are doing the work that is against the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ came and died. God's grace has been brought to build the church up. And this great thing has happened where Jewish follower, Gentile follower are able to be together and become something more, become the church. But if we are in the process of arguing with each other and wanting to be right more in relationship, we're tearing apart this good work that God has done. And so then whatever it is that we're holding on to, we may think is right, but it actually becomes wrong and evil because it works against what God is after. Even if it's good of itself, it becomes evil when it becomes a stumbling block, when it trips our neighbor up. What Paul's afraid of is that the Jewish group that has come back after being expelled for Rome, from Rome for five years might look at the Gentiles who are eating whatever they want and, and living into this kind of freedom in a new way, and that the Jewish group may say, this is too much. And maybe we were wrong. Maybe Jesus Christ isn't the savior we hoped for. And you all are just being cavalier. And so maybe we were wrong and they will go back to the synagogue and not participate in this new thing. And so the group that's celebrating this freedom, this freedom actually has become evil because it's tearing something down. It's tripping their brother and sister up. So we have to account for ourselves with God. Whatever it is we feel in, in the, an instance like whether we should eat food, the practice of our faith, as we come to explore our faith, as we are being taught by the Holy Spirit, we are making decisions about the way that we live our lives, something like eating food, something like what we drink, ways that we choose to invest ourselves in entertainment, what we choose to read, who we choose to follow how we drive our car, how we enter into relationship, how we have conversation about the things that we're having conversations about in the church. We have our convictions, everybody does. Some people 
are really searching. They're trying to, to learn and grow. They aren't convinced that they have all the answers. They have unanswered and they want to keep growing and they want to keep digging and they want to see things from other people's perspectives because maybe they have some validity to their perspective. And so the mature and the strong Christian will say, maybe I'm not right. I want to hear from other people. I want to hear from different perspectives because maybe I still have some growing left to do. And in that effort, they're setting aside their conviction to consider other ideas. And all that's going to do is either help us grow, help us to change our perspective, or teach us that what we have come to find out before is all the more right. We, we, we can actually process it and defend it in our minds and work through it and come to the same and even stronger conviction. And that's for us and God. We have to work that out because how we move and live and act in this world has to be what we know and feel we ought to be doing. That doesn't mean you're not going to change your mind in five years. You're not going to come to see something different. In fact, I hope you are continuing to change unless you've already reached perfection, in which case don't ever change because once you're perfect, any change makes you less than perfect. But for the rest of us, we're still striving for this kind of perfecting grace, this sanctifying grace. And so you may change your mind, and that's not a bad thing. But in the meantime, if you're focused on working through that personally, for yourself and in your own heart, then you're working to make sure that your actions come out of an honest and humble place that is seeking God's righteousness, that is seeking peace with God, and is finding the joy in God. But when it comes to your neighbor who thinks differently, who has a different conviction, who in fact may not even understand yours, maybe they don't wanna see anyone else's perspective. They are convinced that they already know that they already have the perfect viewpoint and they don't wanna see or hear anything you have to say. They're weak in their faith. And so the strong person, as much as they can keep their conviction, it is our duty to love and come alongside someone else, which means we may have to just give up any sort of fight and instead nurture what builds us up and unites us. We had a conversation on our Tuesday evening Bible study, and I'm going to offer this, this reflection, this metaphor that we kind of came up with because I think it'll help put some flesh on the conversation. It's a, it's a simple metaphor. It's not real deep or theological. But the conversation came about because a couple people in the Bible study group have a gluten allergy or some strong food allergies. They can't eat most of the food that most other people can eat. And so when they go to a church pitch-in, most of the things that are on the table, they're unable to eat of. In fact, there have been occasions where they're not able to eat of any of it. And so the church pitch-in, which is supposed to be a community meal, this good and wonderful thing, actually isn't good and wonderful for everyone. And so there are a couple responses that we can have as a church to this situation. One, we can reevaluate the whole menu and we can say we should only have foods that everyone can eat because only then can everyone come together, feel welcomed and appreciated and cared for. And that's ultimately what we want more than 
particular foods that just happen to please our palates. The other response is, well, tough, that's not my problem. I don't have that allergy, I'm just gonna bring the food I wanna bring, and you just have to bring your own food if you can't eat anything on the table. So the conviction that usually I can eat anything, you know, that doesn't, it isn't anything bad, except when my desire to eat anything I wanna eat suddenly creates some division between someone else at the table. Because me saying, well, you just bring your own stuff, I'm not changing what I'm doing, what that's saying is, the food that I want is more important than making sure you feel fully welcome. It's a simple metaphor, but what would it look like in the world around us, in the world of, hey, you know what, it's my personal liberty, I'm gonna do what I wanna do, take it or leave it, leave if you don't like it. That's a typical response. What if the church acted in a different way, in an alternative way, according to the alternative kingdom? of God and said, of course, we're only going to create a meal where everyone can feel fully welcome in every way. And you know what? If I don't like everything on the table, I can live with that because my neighbor next to me who can now suddenly find themselves in maybe one of the only places ever where everything on the table is okay for them, everything is geared toward them, making them feel accepted and welcome. That's much more important to me. I can live with food that maybe is not my favorite. I would rather have the relationship be regarded as holy and sacred and important. I would rather lay down my expectations for the sake of someone else's. What would that feel like as a person that maybe most of the time you go out to eat and you sometimes your family, your friends pick restaurants you can't eat at, so what do you do? You constantly feel like, well, this, I'm not fully welcome. I have to make accommodations for everyone else. What if the church said, we will always make accommodations for our sisters and brothers. We will be a people that focuses on the whole, that we're not focused on individual desire, we're focused on the whole and welcomeness. We're, we're gonna focus on people being at peace, experiencing full joy. And if that means I have to submit myself, oh, so be it, that's fine. I can do that because this person is worth it. Where does that carry over into our relationships, our conversations of today on race, on sexuality, on politics, and it can go into anything else? What if we as the church said, we have Jesus Christ. We need nothing else. We don't need to be right. Jesus Christ gave of himself for us. We are called to be the body of Christ here to give of ourselves for others. Why would I not do that in every way? Why would I care about being right when I could be righteous in my relationships, when I could bring peace, could be the source of joy? Paul is saying, it's great you have these things that are good for you and you should always act out of what you feel is good for you in an individual way. But when it comes to the community, we are called to move beyond ourselves and to care for and love one another at the expense of ourselves, so be it. Because when we serve Christ in this way, we not only please God, we please human beings as well. Friends, let the Holy Spirit lead you
into relationships in new ways, to lead you beyond being right and to lead you into righteousness, to see things as God sees them, to help us become more the people we wanna be anyway, to experience the peace that we've been seeking after anyway, to experience the joy that we've always longed for anyway. Let us be the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.